Good morning, church. We enter this holy week knowing that some people are stuck on this side of the cross. They are stuck there because their lives have been shipwrecked by their own choices or by the choices of others, by illness, by broken hearts, broken homes, broken lives. This church is a church that is open and sensitive to people that are in that kind of pain. And if you are in that pain and wondering whether you can make it from this side of the cross over to the other side, to the empty tomb, you're in the right place. You'll notice to my left and to my right are some pretty ugly crosses. We did that on purpose. The uh, crosses were built by one of our folk and that he'd built it as we asked and then we covered it with chicken wire there's a reason why crosses are supposed to be ugly for one they're not supposed to be pretty but the second is this next week we need you to play a part we need you to bring a flower a flower for each of your family members now uh, if you don't have the funds for a flower flowers will be arranged for you but we want you to be a part of this and as next week we come to the tables to take the communion and rejoice for the empty tomb we'll ask you to take your time and to weave the flower within the wire the transformation is amazing it is something you need to see if you've not seen it before and it's something which you can participate in and we want you to participate when you come here we don't even call this the auditorium which is a Greek word meaning a place where people get bored <laughs> this is the family room this is where we want you to join us so remember next week to bring a flower and we appreciate the Hewitts uh, for the cross that they've always supplied for us and that they allowed us to move that back to the corner for this particular period of time we live in a country where we can constantly speak of rights and laws, and we can even demand more rights and more laws anytime we want. We know that the government here can only do a certain amount of things, and the police have rules upon them as well. And if they go beyond those boundaries, there are legal remedies for us in the most of the times. And if that fails us, we can go to social media so we can shame them. It's very hard for us to put ourselves in the minds of those that greeted Jesus so long ago. They had been a broken nation for hundreds of years, many hundreds of years. One after another, nations had come in and stomped them, stolen from them, broken everything that they had put together. Their temple was even broken stripped of all of its finery, stripped of all of the holy furniture, stripped of all of its gold and glory. The priesthood, sometimes you could count on them. You know, when, when the government went bad, you could go to church. But the priesthood, it rotated among three fighting factions, all of whom had bought their positions by power, money, influence, politics. The common person had nobody common person had nowhere to go the soldier could stop you on the street and demand a certain percentage of whatever you were carrying they could sweep into a village and take your sons as soldiers or servants your daughters as, sla as slaves or worse 
you were nothing to them. You were a powerless individual. And you'd lived like this for so long that it had become part of the national character to look down, to have no hope. Even God, God had been quiet since Malachi 400 years ago. There hadn't been that much from God. Now, every so often, you'd, you'd get a prophet that would rise up and say, I'm the one that will lead you all out of this. I'm the one that will give you hope. And some people got their hopes up, and some people followed him, only for it to all, all end, every time, in the desert, in blood, in tears, in crucifixions. To remind you of your place, even your coinage, even the money that you had and banners that would hang by the side of the road, the, the billboards of the time, would declare every time you looked at it, Caesar is Lord. You remembered your place because they wouldn't let you forget it. And then something very odd happened. The son of a carpenter and a woman from a very minor family decided to get married, but before they were technically married, there was a baby born. And this baby, his birth was questionable, his heritage, not impressive. In fact, rather scandalous. It had within it prostitutes. It had within it Moabites. It had people of different races, in other words, not a pure blood line. Nobody looked at his line as royal. Sometimes people, whenever they find out we're, we're Scottish, they'll say, so they'll ask something like, have you seen the queen? And I'll say, no, but that's all right. I, I thought she saw me once, but I, I hid well. I, no, we don't. It's not like they're walking about the place. Someone over here, they, it seems like everybody's related to a Cherokee princess. I'm, I have no royal blood in me at all. I used to tell my kids that if 8,622 of the exact right people died, I'd be king. <laughs> but then they found out I was exaggerating my importance. Jesus was among those kind of people. No claim. But then his teaching. When he started talking, people listened to him. He scandalized them, though. That was the thing. He knew his Bible, and he, knew, he seemed to know God really, really, really well. And he would, his knowledge of God and his relationship with God would even trump some of the old law sometimes by saying, it's all right if David ate the table bread. It's, he was hungry. It's all right if you've got an ox falling in a ditch, pick it up. It's all right if that person's sick, take care of them. He was, he was different. And, and you might think, all right, he's the guy, but he was also very scandalous. He ate with the wrong people. And in the first century, you are who you eat with. It is the mark of fellowship, religious fellowship, to eat with somebody. And he ate with the wrong people. Again, prostitutes, publicans, people that, that um, they helped the Romans, tax collectors. He even ate with them. He seemed to refuse to be offended by anybody's presence. He would just speak to them. He offered them grace. But more than that, he offered them companionship. And again, he acted like he and God were close, so close that some say, I think this might be the one. 
Oh, how many times have they heard that in 400 years? I think this one might be the promised one, the anointed one, the Messiah. And if he was, and if they could risk it all on him, what a Messiah. Oh, my goodness. What a Messiah. He didn't demand from them. All rulers demand from you. But he didn't. Instead, he gave to them. He did miracles for them, never did one for himself. And this presence of God among them would even stand in front of a blind beggar that interrupted church and say, what would you like for me to do for you? What, what a savior, if he's savior. So no wonder they were so excited on that day when he entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. A young donkey. Now, that to us, that's not terribly impressive, but that's the way kings rode in to them. And they got so excited, they started flinging their clothes in front of, so the donkey wouldn't even have to touch the ground. And they did the, the palm fronds, and with a bit probably more enthusiasm, but not more joy than our children. <laughs> they did a brilliant job, by the way. I kept waiting for it to all go sideways, and it didn't. It was just, it was wonderful. Now, finally, he's come. He's entering Jerusalem, the king, the Messiah, and the one that we never, never, never thought we could ever hope for. We never thought that we would ever get. And look at who we've got. They were so excited. And then it went wrong. Jesus was taken, nailed to a cross, publicly humiliated publicly shamed. His followers faded away like the followers of all those other messiahs had before him. And darkness came upon the land in more ways than one. The darkness of pain and despair, the darkness of Friday night, but also the darkness of the sun when God decided he'd had enough and he couldn't even watch it anymore and turned off the lights. Even the temple went dark. And that's when we come to this table, this table of fellowship. When we take this, we say we are declaring the body. We are discerning the body. We are saying, I'm with you. My wife and I were getting ready, and we just walked out of our house to go watch our grandson play baseball and uh, walk a festival and have a good day in the, in the big, bright sun. And got a call back from the church where we'd served before coming here. One of our dear friends, not sick, just went to sleep, didn't wake up. Young mother, two middle school aged children. This same mother and her wonderful husband, one of my dear friends, lost their home last year in the Colorado wildfires. And you think, oh Lord, how long can Friday night last? How long can it be? You know here, now if you're 4th Avenue folk, you know, if you're visitors, you're still wondering about this, but 4th Avenue folk know that when we come and take at the tables, we have certain rules, one of which is if you see anybody who has mobility issues, go ahead and pick it up and take it to them. We also have other rules, talk, hug, love on each other. It's all right if this is a noisy time. George and his team, who and George does such a job for us every, every week, and the team will be leading in a couple of songs, but if you're not done talking and hugging, don't be done. 
then I'll get up here in a bit and talk some more. Normally, when we do this, we do this with joy and laughter. I'm going to ask you to remember those who are on Friday night. I'm going to ask you to be a little bit more subdued, but don't let that mean silence. Don't let that mean just a, a nod. The hugs are important. This is where we acknowledge Friday night, but we also believe that Sunday is coming. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus Christ. Those on Friday night did not know the rest of that story. They, they thought that it was over, but we know the story. But don't let us, Father, rush so quickly to the end of the story that we forget this part. Help us as we take this bread to remember his body, as we take this cup to remember his blood, and look around and see that this is now his body and blood, all those who call upon the name of the Lord, all of those who share in the table. Let us remember that the, the person whose eyes we look into today may be stuck on Friday and needs the love of this table and the people here to see them through. Guide us to the table, we pray in the name of Jesus, and the whole church says, So what do we say to folk that are stuck on this side of Friday? First of all, we say we're, we, it's not a sin. It's not a sin that you've been suffering. It's not a sin that you've struggled. We, we get that. We are fellow walkers on this journey with you. But we want to let you see a peek inside of heaven. And we're going to do this a bit different today. Um, getting too Scottish, hang on. <laughs> I'm going to be quite imperceptible. Um, uh, instead of putting up scripture above, I want you to hear it. I know that you can open your phones and iPads and, and read it, and if you wish to, that's fine, obviously, but I want you to hear what they heard when the fifth chapter of Revelation was read to them. A bizarre set of scenes for a throne room. Remember what kind of king they were expecting. That's not what you find in Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. And one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he's triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain 
standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign forever on the earth. I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. They wanted a lion. Where's the lion of the tribe of Judah? And the angels said, Don't worry. He's here. Right over there. And they turned their faces ready. The lion, and they see a lamb that looks like it's been mangled looks like it's been beaten up. It looks like it lost. But it's standing in the throne room by the throne of God and has the right to reach over and take our future, that's the scroll, out of the hands of God himself and open it up to us. And we sing a new song because of him. This is what we're being asked to believe. That God came to us and showed us how he conquers in love. As a lamb, not as a lion. Oh, I always wanted to be a lion. I always wanted to be the hero. But God says, no, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. The spirit of the lamb the spirit of a God who, though he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, comes to us not as a lion, oh, we couldn't take a lion, but as a lamb that's been through everything we've gone through and shows us hope when the stone is rolled away. He is the God of the towel, as Gemma Gwegan called him, the one who washed the feet of the apostles and then said, I want you to do that too. And then he said, this. We'll put this scripture up out of Luke 22. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. It's another way of saying, we're the government and we're here for your own good. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules, like the one who serves. This is a whole new idea of what a kingdom is. Every people, nation, tribe, and tongue, and they're all equal, male and female, equal, all together in one place, 
and not ruled by law, but ruled by love, that'll never work. And most churches still say that. But the lamb disagrees. He is a humble king. He is the king that will walk with us on Friday night. And he only asks that we walk with him a little while. His apostles didn't understand what he meant when he said that. He didn't, they thought they were supposed to sleep when you're sleepy and all the other, but he was saying, I'm walking with you through this. Walk with me just a little while. They didn't know what was coming. He did. And when they still got sleepy, he didn't get angry. He let them sleep. But he still walked with them. And he walks with us today. This is a different idea of a king. And I want this to be in your head this week as we go through this holy week. This is not how most kings triumph. But this one does. This is not how most churches will thrive. We demand law. He says, no, your law is to love. He has a different way of doing things. But look at what's happened before. What happened to all the kings that have gone before? Shelley's poem, Ozymandias, comes to mind. As one who's walked over ruins a lot in his life. I think of it every time I see them. He wrote, I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies whose frown and wrinkled lip, the sneer of cold command, tell that its sculptor well those passions read, but yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them, the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. But nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. That is the way of all kings. That is the way of all human power. That is the way of all lions. They fade away. They are forgotten. So important one day. An answer to a trivia question the next. But our king? The story did not end at the cross. But it had to go through it. 2,000 years later, we see his works. He has not fallen, forgotten. You don't know the names of those other false messiahs unless you're a scholar of ancient history, but you know the name of Jesus. And we gather today to declare that we believe that Jesus is the king and that his story and our story are not over but that they are continuing even though it may seem that we are on Friday night. I want you to watch this video, and then we'll be ready to close. Watch carefully. Amen, church? Hang in there. It's only Friday. Would you stand, please? Please remember our service of sh shadows on Friday night, 630 
downstairs. It is um, absolutely appropriate for all ages. Your children will not be frightened or disturbed, so please bring them as well. And remember to bring a flower for next week to indicate we don't believe the ugly cross is the final picture that we think of. We believe in a bouquet of life. We live on Friday, but we believe in Sunday. But friends, there are no shortcuts to Sunday. To get to the empty tomb, you have to walk through the story of the cross. Hang in there. Sunday's coming. Do you believe it, church? Go in peace. We'll see you next Sunday.